0: We pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Dear friends of Christ, a new turn. It is a momentous day for Redeemer. It is a momentous day for you, Eric. And as such, it is well that we hear God's word for us this day, the words of the Psalm 131. The Hebrew text begins, Shir Hamaloth LaDavid, a song of ascents, or of the ascents, of or by or with regard to David. We do not generally read the superscription with the psalm in the liturgy, but here it has purpose as it sets the stage for our meditation. This is the 12th of the 15 Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 120 through 134. The medieval French rabbi wrote that the Levites sang the 15 Psalms on the 15 steps that made the ascent from the court of women to the court of Israel. In the temple at Jerusalem. Eh, modern scholarship's not so sure. But Golden Gate points out, the diversity among them in form, subject matter, and apparent dating supports the view that they are separate origin, but come to form a resource book for pilgrims. They were, they are, Israel's traveling music. And as the new Israel in Christ, they become our traveling music. Redeemers on a journey. We don't always think that way. I mean, the campus isn't going anywhere, and most of us are not planning to move someplace permanently, but we are on a journey towards our heavenly home, and a little traveling music from Psalm 131 is helpful as we come today to a turn in the road, a new turn. And as we turn, Jesus, the Lord of the Church, gives us three things as we sang about in our sermon hymn. Son of God, eternal Savior, source of life and truth and grace. As we turn, Jesus gives us truth, a right understanding about ourselves. Verse 1, O Lord, my heart has not been haughty. My eyes have not looked too high. The word I translated as haughty, lifted up in your bulletin, appears a number of times in the Old Testament in connection with the hearts of kings. The king of Tyre is rebuked in Ezekiel chapter 28 because your heart is lifted up. Yet you are but a man and no God, though you make your heart like the heart of a God. The kings of Judah, Hezekiah, because he was not grateful for being miraculously healed, and Uzziah before him when his lifted up heart led him to usurp the role of the priest and offer incense in the holy place. Being or becoming haughty, or lifted up is a danger for us, for Redeemer, as we make this turn on our journey. It's dangerous, objectively speaking, because it suggests a challenge to the one who is lofty and high. Isaiah writes, The haughty look of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. But it is also dangerous subjectively, it is almost impossible to be lofty and high without becoming people who see themselves as impressive and important as godlets, to use golden gaze, rather unique turn of phrase. And St. Paul warns in Romans chapter 12, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has given him. Eric, take these words to heart, for you will experience numerous temptations to your pride as vicar and then as pastor. You will hear the confessions of God's people and pronounce the absolution. Do not confuse the office with the man. You will speak from this pulpit, yet it is not your words, but God's. With God's grace, you will preside over the 100th anniversary of Redeemer, Many temptations will come to have a heart that is lifted up. But look to Jesus. Hear the encouragement that St. Paul gives to the Philippians. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Jesus gives truth and an example. The second half of verse one speaks of using that knowledge, that truth about ourselves that Jesus gives. The psalmist writes, I have not gone about among great things, among wonders beyond me. Our translation might give the impression that we are seeking to understand these things, but the real thrust of this section is the doing of great and marvelous things. The psalmist would caution us against ambitious pride. James Luther Mays observes, This stance adopted is that of the calm and patient soul. Calm, because ultimately it does not have to depend on itself. And patient, because it does not believe that the present time is a prison. Close quote. Eric, as you turn and begin this vicarage journey, the temptation to pride will be there. You're beginning a challenging course of study that you'll have to integrate with your Ongoing consulting work and not neglecting Michelle in the process. When success comes, it will be easy to take credit. To you and to Redeemer, I offer some 6th century advice from Martin of Braga, a town in present-day Portugal. He wrote, Always value yourself least of all. And remember, whenever any good befalls you throughout your life, ascribe it all to God who gave it, not to yourselves who received it. Convincing yourself with these words of the Apostle Paul, what have you that you have not received? And if you have received it, why do you boast? As if you had not received it. As we turn on our journey, Jesus also gives us life. Verse 2, But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. At the outset, I'd like to say that there's a lot going on in the original Hebrew that impacts the way I would like you to hear this verse. Robert Alter points out that there is some margin of doubt about the precise meaning of the two Hebrew verbs. The first sometimes has the sense of to level or to make even, which may be applicable here. And the second probably means to quiet. So we're fine-tuning the meaning of some of the words, but even more importantly, Notice the repeated word, not, in your bulletin. Verse 2 begins with the fourth and climatic use of the same word, no, which marks a turn in the text. Not lifted up, not raised too high, not occupied with things too marvelous for me. No, rather I have conformed and stilled my spirit like one nursed with its mother. So is my spirit nursed with me. We hear this description of a weaned child as one who no longer nurses at its mother's breast. In Old Testament times, this was a recognized event in the life of a child. Genesis 28. And the child grew and was weaned, our word. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But a child that has matured beyond the point of this need of its mother does not really fit the sentiment of the verse. It seems to make more better sense to think of a child who has just come off the breast at the end of a feeding, one that is being weaned, but still strongly attached to its mother. And this gives rise to to two rather remarkable connections. First, I deferred talking about the second half of the inscription until now. Ladoid, by David, eh, not terribly likely, of David, a little more probable, but certainly about David as the quintessential king of Israel in Jerusalem. If that's the case, then the king is depicted as a docile infant in need of being burped? Really? Yeah, it is. The king receives his life and his vocation from God. So is my spirit nourished within me, as one, even the one sitting on the throne reflects on his position before God, and in turn, his responsibility... To the people God has given him to shepherd, God gives life. Jesus gives life. This is the second connection we can make, placing ourselves into the psalm. The root word translated as "ween" has a second meaning. It means to requite, and that's a gospel word. Isaiah 35: Say to those who have an anxious heart, "Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance." with the recompense, our word, of God. He will come and save you. Jesus gives life. He took on our flesh. He lived a sinless life. Yet He suffered the recompense, the judgment of God for the sin of all humanity. My sin, your sin, have been atoned for. You are redeemed. Jesus gives life in the richest and truest sense, an eternal and everlasting sense. For you, Eric, for you, Redeemer, this is a call to confess. To hear again the absolution of the triune God over you, and to quiet your soul within you as a weaned child. It is the opportunity again today to come to this realm, to receive the true body and the true blood of Christ for the strengthening of your hearts for the days and the challenges ahead. As we sang earlier, come, O Christ, and reign among us, King of love and Prince of peace, Hush the storms of strife and passion. Bid its cruel discord cease. By your patient years of toiling, by your silent hours of pain, quench our fevered thirst of pleasure. Stem our selfish greed of gain. Jesus gives truth and life as we make this turn in our journey together. And finally, or in summary, Jesus gives us grace. Verse 3. Wait, O Israel, for Yahweh, from now on and forevermore. May suggests the genius of this brief, simple song is its use of the poignant picture of child and mother to evoke the personal and psychological reality of that theological expression, hope in the Lord. To hope, to wait on God's grace is foundational to the true Christian faith. Dear friends of Redeemer, we need God's grace as we make this turn, as we journey together. We need grace. We confess it. We celebrate it. But it cannot be only one word thick or one Sunday long. What do I mean? Well, grace given, the free salvation of Christ, grace received in water and word, in bread and wine, in the absolution pronounced, must be grace extended. What Paul says about with respect to communion in the first letter to Corinth, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, etc. And again, with respect to the gospel, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. This attitude, these actions of Paul demonstrate more than just confession. They display a way of life. One that we need to imitate. What we have received, we must deliver to the next generation. To the lost and the hurting in Tillamook and around the world. Yet in this endeavor, we will continually, grace will continually be necessary. We will make mistakes, find ourselves in need of forgiveness. And so we've come full circle to where we started. Jesus gives truth, a right understanding of ourselves. I will make mistakes. Our vicar will make mistakes. It will seem strange to no longer address him as Eric, but we owe him the respect due his new office to address him as Vicar. And you, Vicar, there is grace as well. Never despair of the love of God in Christ. His shed blood covers a multitude of sin. Run to him. Take comfort in him as a weaned child with its mother. Yet grace is more than just second and third article gifts. Grace is also first article gifts that sustain our physical needs. Remember, in making this turn, Redeemer, that you've taken on more than you can afford in the short term. We make this turn in the confidence that God will provide We, as the individual members of Redeemer, need to be faithful in our tithes and offerings. We need to be faithful in our prayers, knowing that even as we contribute, we recognize God's hand that provides for our every need of body and soul. So Psalm 131 is a poignant picture of mother and child in God. As we close, I call to mind another story of mother and child, the story of Hannah and Samuel and the God of Israel. You recall Hannah's disgrace before her rival and her anxious prayer for a child whom she would give back to the Lord. God heard her prayer and the child Samuel was born. He would grow up to serve in the tabernacle and as the last of the judges to anoint both Saul and David as king. His was a faithful and honest service before God, an under-shepherd of the good shepherd. Let us have the trust and confidence of Hannah that God will provide. Let us pray God's Holy Spirit upon our vicar that he will serve faithfully as Samuel did. And let us look to the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to guard and keep the church, his people, in the days and the years ahead as he did in the days of Samuel. As we make this turn on our journey, Jesus gives truth and life and grace. Let this piece of traveling music, Psalm 131, be our song. Wait, O Redeemer. Hope, O Redeemer, in the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting.